0: Let's come back together, find our seats. I am looking forward to what God will will do with this service and how he will use us in our lives. So let's come back together and be ready to study God's word. Worship team, I just want to say thank you for, for just leading us to the throne of God, giving us an opportunity to worship together. I love Christmas songs that use the name Emmanuel, right? That name is just so packed with meaning. It means God with us. And the implication is they had gone 400 years without hearing much from God. And the fact that God was with us means He was actually still working throughout all of that. And He still showed up. And so the name Emmanuel we we worship and we sing about. Esther in a microcosm is sort of that same idea where the, the children of Israel, the, the Jewish nation, had felt a little bit like where was God as they had gone into exile and were 100 years into exile. And and what we see in this book is that God was still watching out for them. He was still protecting them. He was still working. I I could ask all kinds of questions that I know the answers to. Like, anyone have any time in the last year where you've wondered what God was doing with your circumstances? Anyone? I mean, yeah, every one of us would raise our hands, right? Because we don't see what God is doing because the newsflash is you and I aren't God. And, and so, yeah, praise God. Amen. That should get an amen. And so Esther is all about when, when people don't see what God is doing, when they can't see, he is still orchestrating their circumstances and using their circumstances for his glory for His plan in sovereign ways that cannot be stopped. And so today we come to the end of our series of Esther. And as we do at the end of our series, we read through the book together. And we read through the entire story. A lot of reasons we do this. And I've shared some of them before. But the verse that I would have for us this morning is Hebrews 4.12. And Hebrews 4.12 says, "...for the Word of God is living and active." sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And as we look at that verse, we see that, that what is living and active? God's Word. It doesn't matter how eloquent someone up here can be speaking. It doesn't matter if we use the right illustrations or get you to laugh the right number of times. The power is in God's Word. And so I'm excited today to read God's Word and see what God's Word does in our lives. Because I know that as a congregation, we have a lot of times where we need to know that God is present. And that we need to trust God, even when we can't see it with our finite, really short-sighted eyesight sometimes. But God is at work. other advantage of reading through all of Esther at one time is you've heard us say almost every week, and God did this, and God did this, and He's orchestrating this and orchestrating this. Any one of those things you could take as a coincidence. Oh, Esther just happened to become queen. But you take like 50 of them in the book, and after a while you're like, that's not a coincidence anymore. And reading through the whole book helps us see that. And so as we read today, I invite you to either listen to the readers, they'll be coming up to the microphones and reading, Either just listen or read along um, in your Bible or on your app, but be listening for some of the themes and writing down what the Holy Spirit wants to teach you today, because I'm convinced He wants to do a work in every one of our lives through the reading of His Word. You know, just reminding us of some of the themes. One of the, the main points of the book is even when we can't see God at work, trust Him because He always sovereignly acts in care for His people in the progression of His plan. And that's the big picture. And, and hopefully you've gotten that in Esther. And, and really we had four sub themes that we talked about that just scream out as you study Esther. You can't miss them. The first theme to look for as you, you hear the book is that God is that of God's sovereignty over everything. God is sovereign over everything. So we can trust him even when we can't see him. He has absolute authority and kingship over all creation. All events are directed. They are all disposed by God for His purpose of glory and good. This means that God uses all things, right? Even the things Satan intends for evil. God uses that for His glory. You can take it to the bank. You can trust it no matter how you're feeling today about your circumstances. This is truth. His fingerprints are in everything. And that's part of the message of Esther. Yes, it's the only book, that, as Joe mentioned, where God's name isn't mentioned. And that serves to to just pound home the point, even when we don't visibly see him, he is still at work. No coincidences. No coincidences. Second theme to look for is God's protection of his people and the future Messiah's line. This, for me, is about salvation. How far will God go to save us? We're singing songs about him sending his son as a baby, which I'm like, just send me as a 30 year old. Let's get it done. But but as a baby, how far will God go to save us? And in this case, we see God's protection of His people and the Messiah's line. The bigger picture here is Satan is trying to wipe out the Jewish nation. No Jewish nation, no Messiah. He wins. But God's like, nope. I have something different in mind. Third theme to remember is human responsibility. Human responsibility even though God is sovereign, we are to obey and take action for God. And this one should motivate us to action because our sovereign God is taking our efforts for Him and using them for His purposes. So we can do this boldly and without fear. And then finally, the fourth theme that I think is its a contrast to the others, but so important for us to see, the folly of wickedness. And we should see Esther and at times say, That was stupid. I'm not going to go down that line. And we should learn from other people's stupid mistakes. Stay away from evil. Make choices that honor God. Make choices that follow God. One of the things we're going to do today as well is at the end of the reading, we're going to have some time to respond. And I'm going to ask some questions and let you talk because I I really believe there is something special about studying God's Word in community. Uh, We could all study Esther by ourselves at home, but then we're not hearing what the Holy Spirit's doing in each other's lives. And we're not building each other up. And so at the end, we'll take five, ten minutes and just ask for your response to Esther. What has God taught you through the book of Esther? What's a favorite verse or two? What's the value of studying it together? And how will you be different from studying the book of Esther? And I give you those up front so you can't say I shocked you with the response time. Um, give you some time to think about it because I really want us to take advantage of that and build each other up. God's word is powerful. So let's let it convict us. Let's let it refresh us. Let me pray and then we'll have the readers come up and start. Lord God, I pray over the reading of your word that you would use it for your glory, that you would burn in our hearts what you would have us learn, how you want to encourage us, how you want to convict us, Lord. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Help them to know that you are sovereignly seeking our salvation and seeking us to follow you. Lord God, may you bless the reading of your word in your name. Amen.
1: Woo! Hoo, 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 that blew the page away. All right. Was I in verse 5? I think so. Okay. Oh, throw me off my game, Jeremiah. Okay. And when these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in Susa the citadel, both great and small, a feast lasting for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white cotton curtains and violet hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars, and also couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels, vessels of different kinds, and the royal wine was lavished, according to the bounty of the king. And drinking was according to this edict. There is no compulsion. For the king had given orders to all the staff of his palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women in the palace that belonged to King Ahasuerus. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha and Abagtha, Zethar and Carcas, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown, in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. At this the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment, the men next to him being Karshana, Shathar, Admatha, Tarshish, Merez, Marsena, and Memucan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who saw the king's face and who sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus delivered by the eunuchs? Then Memucan said, in the presence of the king and the officials, not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt. "...since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's behavior, will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. If it please the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal position to another... Who is better than she? So, when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Memucan proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, that every man be master in his own household, and speak according to the language of his people.
2: After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's young men who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Susa, the citadel. Under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, let their cosmetics be given, let cosmetics be given to them. And let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shemai, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away from carried away was Jeconiah king of Judah whom Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon had carried away he was bringing up Hadassah Hadassa what <coughs> sorry that is Yester, the daughter of his uncle for she had neither father nor mother the young woman woman had beautiful, had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at and when her father and her mother died Mordecai Took, as, took her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace, and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now when the turn came for each woman to go into the king's into King Hazoros after being 12 months under the regulations of the women since this was the regular period of their beautifying six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women when the young women went into the king in this way she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace in the evening she would go in and in the morning she would return to the second harem in custody of shashkaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines she would not go into the king again unless king deli- unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by he- by name when the turn came for esther the daughter of abigail the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king. She asked for nothing except that Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ah Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, In the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Now when the virgins were gathered together the second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai. And he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of the chronicles in the province in the presence of the king.
3: After these days, after these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of Hammedatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, "Why do you transgress the king's command?" And when they spoke to him day after day, and he went out to them, they told Haman in order, in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told him, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So, as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pur, that is, they cast lots, before Haman day after day, and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws. So that is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business. They may put it in silver... Put it to the king's treasuries. So the king took a signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamaditha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and an edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps, and to the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script, and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus, and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods." A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was, was thrown into confusion. When Mordecai
4: learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, She sent garments to clothe Mordecai, so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathach went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him, and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews." Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with them on behalf of her people. And Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him.
5: On the third day, Esther put on the royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, in front of the king's quarters, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight, and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even to half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it please the king, Let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I prepared for the king. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart, but when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, and he sent and brought his friends and his wife, Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions which, with, with which the king had honored him, and how he advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther let no one but me come to the, with the king to the feast she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. Yet all this is worth nothing to me so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows fifty cubits high be made, and in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman, and he had the gallows made.
6: On that night, the king could not sleep, and he gave orders to bring the Book of Memorable Deeds, the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written how Mordecai had told about Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold, and who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's young men who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's young men told him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king said to him, what should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman said to himself, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman said to the king, Hurry, take the robes and the horse, and do have, and, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai, and led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman hurried to his house, mourning, and with his head covered. And Haman told his wife Zeresh, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, as of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. So the
7: king and Haman went to the feast with Queen Esther. And on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, what is, what is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, it is, and it is to please the king, let my life be granted for my wish and my people for my request. For we have been sold... I, and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent, for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss of the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he? Who has dared to do this? And Esther said, A foe, an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And the king arose in his wrath from the wine drinking and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where where they were drinking wine as Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. And the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence in my house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs, in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, fifty cubits high. And the king said, Hang hang him on that. So they hang Haman, and on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated.
8: On that day King Hesoras gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman, then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king, and she said, "'If it pleased the king, and I have found favor in his sight, "'and if these things seem right before the king, "'and I'm pleasing in his eyes,' let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Sesuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he intended to lay hand on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring for an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. The king's scribes were summoned at the same time. In the third month, which is the month of Savan, on the 23rd day, an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews. To the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, to each province in its own script and to each people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. And he wrote in the name of the king Ahasuerus, and he sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses, that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to blunder their goods. On one day throughout all the province of King Ahasuerus, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, A copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province being publicly displayed to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to take vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers, mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service, rode out hurriedly, urged by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with a great golden crown, and a robe of fine linen and purple, and the city of Susa shouted shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews. A feast and a holiday, and many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews, for fear of the Jews had fallen on them.
9: Now in the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Hazarus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And no one could stand against them, for the fear of them had fallen on all peoples. All the officials of the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews, for the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces, for the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. In Susa, the citadel itself, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men, and also killed... Parshandatha, and Dolphin and Espatha and Paratha and Adalia and Aradatha and Parmashta and Arasai and Aradai and Vaisatha, the ten sons of Haman, the sons of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but they laid no hands on the plunder. The very day the number of those killed in Susa the Citadel was reported to the king, and the king said to Queen Esther. In Susa the citadel, the Jews have killed and destroyed five hundred men and also the ten sons of Haman. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what further is your request? It shall be fulfilled. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed tomorrow also to do according to this day's edict, and let the ten sons of Haman be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. A decree was issued in Susa, and the ten says of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa Susa gathered also on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they killed three hundred men in Susa, but they laid no hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives, and got relief from their enemies, and killed seventy-five thousand of those who hated them, but they laid no hands on the plunder. This was on the thirteenth day of the month of Adar, and on the fourteenth day they rested and made that a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the thirteenth day and on the fourteenth and rested on the fifteenth day, making that a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore the Jews of the villages who live in the rural towns hold the fourteenth day of the month of Adar as a day of gladness and feasting, as a holiday and as a day on which they send gifts of food to one another.
10: And reported these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the fourteenth day of the month of Adar and also the fifteenth day of the same, year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies. And as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, for morning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. From Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamathadai, uh, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast purr, that is, cast lots, to crush and to destroy them. But when it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan that he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, they called these days Purim, after the term Pur. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter and of what they had faced in this matter and of what have happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them that without fail they would keep these two days according to what was written, and at the appointed time every year, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew, gave full written authority confirming the second letter about Purim. Letters were sent to all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus in words of peace and truth that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them and as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their fasts and their lamenting. The command of Esther confirmed these practices of Purim and it was recorded in writing. King Ahasuerus opposed attacks on the land and on the coastlands of the sea and all the acts of his power and might and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers for he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people.
0: Thank you, readers. Did you want to cheer at times? Maybe boo and hiss at times? We should. And, and, and really, ultimately, it's about celebrating what God did. And even in the last chapter, God says, you're to, you're, you're to celebrate. This is part of, of what it means to follow God is to celebrate what he's done. And, and in this case, put his people in place for such a time as this like to open it up and ask some of those questions and those just get our, our brains going. But um, how do you respond to Esther? What is something God has taught you? What is a verse that has spoken to you or a thought? What is the, has the value been of us studying it together? How has God worked through the book of Esther? And we celebrate his work as we talk about this in community. Anyone want to go first? Be brief.
4: I think it's a beautiful illustration of God's sovereignty.
5: Yeah. Amen. during the time when we were um, talking about Haman's um, anger towards Mordecai and and how it took away all of his, anything joyful in his life because he, all he could think about was, was Mordecai. And, and um, it made me take a look at myself and anger that I had been holding towards someone that, who had hurt me very badly many years ago. And even though I felt it was justified anger, it still. Every time I thought of that person, it it, it angered me, and, and it, you know, I knew it wasn't something God wanted me to continue feeling, and so it caused me to um to write a letter of forgiveness. Wow. That. Wow. Uh, Praise I, God. Yeah, it was difficult, but
0: it, it felt right. Praise God. He uses His word. Thank you for sharing that. Someone else. Oh, there and then there.
7: I just love the fact that Esther was so willing to surrender to God's will finally and um, that she asked for preparation in order to accomplish what she needed to do and asked everyone to join her because, you know, that's what you need and is love and support of your family around you or your people. And just their acceptance of saying, you know, if I perish, I perish. And I think that's always a line that will stand out to me.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I had missed the fact that she had asked everyone to pray with her and fast with her and then studying. And I'm like, that is a that is a great lesson.
10: I was actually just thinking of the wisdom of Esther, how, um, you know, she asked the, the, uh, the keeper, you know, what would the king like? And she didn't ask her request of the king right away. She waited two days. So um, I guess that just really stands out to me. Yeah. You know, and I want to do more of that.
0: And then that God given wisdom. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me more than anything else is just the contrast between Mordecai and Esther versus Haman. Whereas, you know, we've heard the phrase, you know, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. And we see that on the one side. And the contrast is, if you don't, God's going to bring you down. probably hard. Yeah. He humbled him worse than almost anyone else we see in scripture that. Yeah. Someone else.
8: Well, I think um, it shows God's sovereignty and his timing and in uh, and his wisdom and that's not always our timing and uh, what we sometimes what we ask we, we shouldn't get Amen. Amen Jack Well the
6: verse uh, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this uh, I never thought of it in a personal way, but now and then God invites me to do something, particularly not for myself, but for reaching out to others. And I can't foresee the results of that. But God's plan is known to him. My role is to follow.
0: Amen. Amen. Was someone else over here. I could throw it. <laughs> Here. Thank
2: you. For me, what I saw was a lot of people acting. And that you don't hear God's name. And you're just told what people are doing. So you get to see God's actions through his believers' actions. Yeah. Through his people. And we are his work.
0: And we can be his work. Amen. Yeah, may we act so boldly and courageously. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to share one last one for my wife. <laughs> one of the things that she, she often commented on is she hadn't realized the gaps of time in the book of Esther. You know, you read it just all, all together, and it's like boom, 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 boom. But the fact that there were five years from when she was kidnapped and into the harem, and actually these events were happening, that's five years of waiting, wondering why God did this. But yet God had a plan, and so that just teaches patience and teaches trust, and so some wonderful things. Thank you for sharing so many good things to learn out of Esther, and go back and read it sometime again, and restudy it, and um, just enjoy what God has for us, the Holy Spirit has for us in the book of Esther. One last thing before we invite the worship team to come up and conclude. This coming weekend is our Living Nativity, and so I'm switching gears here a little bit. And what I wanted to do as we're talking community is just spend a couple moments praying for this outreach. This is one of the largest outreaches we do. Last year, we had over 900 people come through and hear the gospel, see the gospel, and then hear the gospel. And so this is sort of an all-hands-on-deck event, and we have almost 100 of you already helping with it which if I can put one more plug in, we need about 10 more townspeople that are just willing to come and talk to your friends in town. Um, not hard, but if you're willing to do that, um, check in upstairs in the, the kids' building today, and that would be, be really helpful. But we want to just bathe this in prayer because God can use this to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ with someone that has never heard it before. And so we want to take that seriously. This isn't just about putting on a good show and having a lot of fun together. This is about the gospel. And so I want to bow our heads for just a moment and pray and then when we're done, we'll worship and and, um, spend some time in in worship. But just two or three of you, can you pray for this outreach and that God would use this outreach to bring people into his kingdom? And then I'll close. Lord God, we ask for... Your power and Your work through this ministry this next week weekend, Lord, I pray that um, You would bring all the pieces together as this is a job really bigger than 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 us, bigger than we can do on our own. But we need Your strength, and so, Lord, I pray that there would be people coming that don't know You, that maybe hear the good news of of a Savior for the first time, that are confronted with their sin and the need to repent and the salvation that You offer us in Your grace and in Your love. Lord, I pray that this would impact lives this weekend, that your Holy Spirit would already be convicting, already be preparing those that would come, Lord. Give us strength for the task to act, um, trusting your sovereignty that you know who you will bring, and that your Holy Spirit will draw to you who whom he will. And so, Lord, we pray for your hand on this ministry. In your precious name, amen.